Welcome to the People Church Chicago podcast. It is our prayer that this word brings hope, encouragement, and light into your life as you go throughout your week. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm going to give you a freebie before I preach, a little, little something before the message. Uh, and it is simply this. Are you ready for it? Tell someone, man, I'm ready for it. Oh, I just love when our church is feeding back and talking to each other. It's amazing. Let me tell you this. Don't underplay what God overplays in the Bible. I think we often underplay certain things, you know what I mean? That the Bible is clearly like just re-saying over and over. And I think we've got to do something about that. And let me give you this free bit of advice. Don't overplay, don't underplay what God overplays in the Bible. And this is one of them, relationship. Honestly, it is overplayed in the Bible everywhere. He talks about relationship. He's a God of relationship. And we often underplay that. And the thing is this, that what you underplay or overplay in one area of your life, it's going to cross over to every area of your life. You know, like if you're lazy in one area, you're going to be lazy pretty much everywhere because it's a principle and values transfer means that the environment isn't so much the problem as much as we're carrying the things that we've got to shift. Just another side note for anyone that wants to run from what you got to run to. You know what I mean? So this is what I mean by that is that we often underplay relationships in the area of just everyday life. You know what I mean? Like they're they're just friends, but they don't really influence me that much. They're friends, but they don't really have a bearing on my life that much. I got to tell you that if you underplay it there, you'll underplay it in church also. I don't need to know people in church because it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Church is what I go to. I'm not super comfortable with the worship, so I get there a little late. Um, You know what I mean? But the reality is this, relationships are everything. In the best way I could put them is kind of like being in the ocean, growing up in Australia. Um, if there's any Aussies in the house. Any Aussies in the house? I don't think we have any Aussies left. No Aussies. No Aussies. The Lord has just sent me alone. Sent me alone. But in Australia, and I'm sure anyway, if you've grown up in the ocean, you know how powerful a wave can be and how powerful the swell can be. And whenever I've taken friends that are from here and they've never grown up around the ocean, I always tell them like, calm down. And they're like, I'm a man. I'm like, just calm down. Trust me. And I kind of tell them, don't go in past your hips. And they're like, whatever. And I'm like, trust me. Because once you're in past your hips, like a small one foot wave can own you. And people don't ever think that. And it's just the reality that the ocean is going to take you where it's going. And I think being amongst a crowd of friends is like being in the ocean. And they're going to take you where they're going. And so you want to make sure that you owe yourself this simple fact. You are made for something great. So be around other people who, one, see your greatness, two, invest in their own greatness, and three, are going to not settle for you being anything other than what you're made to be. Don't just settle for a relationship. Don't underplay what God overplays, okay? The who in your world will determine the where you go. It's just a fact. It's just is what it is. That's for free. It's not part of the message. It's just another little extra. Just trying to, you know, really beef up the church service, be a full service church. We give everyday advice every single Sunday. There you go. We are in a new series. Everyone say, ooh. We are in a new series. It is called Dimensions. And it is basically about the simple fact that there is more to this than we realise. There's more to this than we see. That there are levels to this life. And that God is not a God that is confined to the level of life that we live in. And the problem is this. We often approach God out of our human confines, right? What is achievable for us becomes something supernatural in our mind for God. You know, like it can't happen for me. So therefore, it'd be a miracle if God did it. You've got to understand, for God, it's not a miracle. It's just what He does. 
And I think we often measure God's ability to do something in our world or in front of us because of what we are limited to. But if we think of God as a God who is outside of this dimension, which He is, obviously He's outside of the dimension of time, He's outside of this, but He can visit our dimension and He has the ability to manipulate our dimension. Now things like walking on water make sense. Things like calming the waves make sense. Something like, like you know, cursing the fig tree makes sense. And I think we've got to make sure that we don't live limited by our inabilities or limit God by our inabilities. And we remember that God is above and beyond it, which means that you and I get to leverage something as believers that no one else can leverage. And that is that no matter what you're in, you might not be able to change it, which is, you know, it is what it is, but God can. And I think sometimes we give up on the things that we can't change because we feel like they're too big for God. Well, God lives outside of time. So your deadline for when He has to show up is not His deadline for when He will. He will show up. He can redeem. He can return. He can do whatever He's got to do. And it's important that you and I live to that simple fact, dimensions. And last week, I spoke a little bit on that. But this week, I want to speak to you from the subject, the real start. The real start. Not the start you think is the start, but the real start. Is that good? Come on, let's pray. Father, I pray that you speak through me in this service, Lord God, that you speak to me. Father God, I pray for everybody that is in our digital uh, church, Lord God, that they might not be in this building with us, Lord God, but they still are part of us, Lord God. I pray that you would speak to them in their car, in their workplace, Lord God. I pray, Father, for anyone and everyone that is, you know, living behind the odds that are stacked up behind them, whether in this building or outside of it, Lord God, that today one thing would be clear, Lord God, we do not live subject to our odds, but Father God, the God who defies them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let me read, I'm going to read you a verse. It's a pretty well-known verse from, from, from our brother Paul. Uh, you, ever, you ever call people in church brother, sister? Uh, it makes you far more holy if you do that. Brother, would you please move over? Sister, um, traveling mercies, all these things make you far, far, far greater as a Christian. Uh, also, uh, a, a bigger Bible. Bigger Bible means bigger faith. Um, everybody knows that. And then if you have a, uh, a bookmark that has Jesus holding a lamb, you are now, you are here. You are here. And if you don't have any of those things, well, don't let anybody see. We will kick you out. Um, so I'm going to read you this verse. And it's like a verse that I think resonates with all of us. And I think it's important that we read it. And then I'm going to read a verse that I believe empowers us to live this one out. Okay, so two verses. Our God is moving. Let's go. Let's go to Philippians 3 for me. It says this, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Can I just pause on that for a second? A lot of people get upset when people preach about purpose because it's like, oh, purpose again, purpose again. So shallow, so watery. Well, here's the thing, that God made you with a purpose. The more you understand what you're made for, the more it points back to the one who made you. The more you know the one who made you, the more you know what you're made for. You're made in His image. And one of the greatest things we could do is understand that God grabbed a hold of us for something and it is our job to then spend our time on this earth laying hold of that which He laid a hold of us for. We underplay sometimes the very things that God overplays in the Bible. And at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I'm telling you, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Here it is. Here it is. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. If we're honest, 
we all want to press towards what God has for us. You know what I mean? Like we all want to move towards the greater in our life. It's just, it's just, it's there. It's easy. We, we set goals on Monday. We, we do all that. But if we're really honest, it's not easy. You know what I mean? No, you don't. Like, come on now. Like being your best you, being the most forgiven, you, forgiving you, being the you that like runs for everything you're made for, being the you that apparently God loves. It just doesn't seem to come easy. Like for me, it seems like a struggle. You know what I mean? Like it seems like, you know, doing the things we should do just doesn't seem to happen easy. In fact, it seems to be a little bit of like, you, you got to press, you got to push for it. You know what I mean? The problem is this. I think that one of the issues we have with living out this verse starts with our mentality. If we could say that him, you know, Paul reaching everything that God called him to reach, if we could call that success, we've got a way that we think success plays out. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't, we, for us, success is like, all I do is win, win, win. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, you know, this is why I don't sing. But you know what I mean? That's what we think. We think winning, like, yeah, successful. Like, like, you know, I tripped over and people got saved the other day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just pull up and I make money. Okay. All right. All I do is win people. Winner. Like, but it's not how it is. It's not how it is. Success is not win, win, win. And quite often, Our number one adversary is that in our mind, when we start the road, when we start the journey, when we say we'll forgive, when we say yes to marriage, we picture perfect. It's just going to be easy. I'm going to win. If God's in it, killing it. That's not the reality of it. And the problem is that when our first loss hits us, we're done. Jesus! Where are you? I prayed, I fasted. Missed out on some good meals. And you just don't want to show up. But we often don't attribute our wins to God that quickly. But there's something about the mentality of laying hold of what God's got for us, of what we set out for, of winning, that I think we've got wrong. Because the thing is this, success is not about winning, 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 as much as it is about learning, learning through loss, loss, loss. Maybe if we shift our mentality on what it looks like, what to expect on the journey towards what God's called you to, whether that be healing in this season, whether it be breakthrough, whether it be to preach, whether it be to start a church, whether it be to start a business, to fix your marriage, whatever it might be, we've got to understand that if we don't think about this right, then we'll probably lose. Because it is unmet expectation, which often breaks up people's dreams, or relationships. You ever had that? Lay on some expectations on someone they don't even know about. You know what I mean? Like you just became best friends with them. They don't even know. You know what I mean? And it's your birthday and they haven't given you 17 surprise birthday presents and they haven't given you a birthday week. You're like, you disgust me. You get married. You get married. And you're like, this is what it's going to be. And it's not. And you're like, oh God, forsaken. I know what you meant. You know what I mean? But the reality is it's the expectation. We've got to get on the same page with what God is trying to do. So let's, for the sake of doing that, let's run over to Matthew for me. And uh, this is, I, I love this verse. In fact, I had someone once tell me that this verse was not in the Bible. I was like. If you're out there listening, wherever you are, here it is. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye, 
and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. <laughs> okay, that sounds like bad advice. If anyone slaps you on the other uh, on the right cheek, turn them the other cheek. That's not also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. We're gonna we're gonna like think about that for a second because not only is he saying. You've got to be nice to people if they're not nice to you. If someone, you know, wants your shirt, give them your coat. I'm saying no, not in the winter in Chicago. But like then he says, if someone forces, someone say, you can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Somebody forces, forces you. Turn around and say to them, I'll go even further. It just doesn't sound like sound advice yet. Jesus counteracts opposition by going further than what they requested him. What would your season, your most demanding season look like if you looked back at it and said, I'll go one more? What would your greatest struggle look like if you looked back at it and said, I'll go one more? There's something powerful about this statement about going the second mile. And you've got to understand the, the, the cultural context of when this was written. I mean, this is, this is Israel and, and the Roman Empire has just come in and taken over, right? So every morning you wake up to a new way of life that it isn't yours. And you've got to like just, you've got to just, you got to lump it. You can't do anything about it. It is what it is. And a Roman soldier at any moment could just abuse his authority. And back then they didn't even have earpieces. You ever notice you give someone an earpiece, it's over. Earpiece and a badge and authority just sets in at a whole other level. Excuse me. I touched my ear. I don't know if you saw that, but I touched my ear. Do what I say. This is like a Roman soldier who had the authority to do what he wanted. And he could just look at you. You could be on, you could be on your first date. Just hanging out. Next thing you know, he's like, carry this amal. How angry slash frustrated. I mean, the hashtags that you could write after, after that moment to the Roman soldier who, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, yeah, if that happens, yeah, carry it one more mile. If we're honest and we read that first verse in Philippians, we realise that Paul says words like strain and push towards the goal. See, that's the problem with it. It seems like there is a push and a strain and a struggle to get what we're made to get, is it not? Yet our romanticised view of living out God's calling, of living out salvation, of becoming a Christian. I was a Christian three weeks ago, Jesus, and I'm still going through it. (laughs) Going back to yoga. I'm not saying yoga, you can't do yoga, just calm down. Someone was like, wait, I'm a Christian now, I can't stretch. But there's something in that. Paul's saying he pushes, and I, I gotta say this, we as humans, we don't want the push, we don't want the strain, we don't want the stretch. We want the smooth, easy, wake up, out of bed and have a million in our account. You know what I mean? We just want to roll into our calling. Yet what if, what if, The start is not in you declaring that you will be, but the start actually starts on that second mile. You know that second mile? The second mile is the one where you want to quit. The second mile is when it hurts. The second mile is when it stings. Like the second mile is the kind of forgiveness when you don't even want to. That's the second mile. 
The second mile is when you open your table to somebody, even when you've had the craziest, busiest week of your life. And it's the only moment with your significant other. The second mile is giving someone something that you don't have a lot of. There's something about the second mile that I believe, that I've seen, that does something that the world can't give you, money can't buy you, nothing, no book you read will do for you what this could do for you. See, books are great, knowledge is important, but here's the thing with it. If you don't apply it, all it does is become an information bank. And there's a lot of people that know about a lot of things but haven't experienced much. See, experience is the practical. It forges something in us. And the thing about this walk with Jesus is it's not just theory. You've got to walk it out. You've got to practically love the people in front of you. You've got to practically love the people that hurt you. You've got to go out and do something about the fact that He has saved you. This is not something that stays in the context of a book. This is something that is written in the actions of our life. We have to be the church. We just can't show up to it. So that being the case, then yes, the second mile thing, it can be a struggle. But what if on the second mile you gain what nothing else can give you. Wow. So, great. so let me start with this first point. Might be the only point I get through today. That often happens. <laughs> we are laughing. <laughs> Number one, how to increase your capacity. People have asked me a lot, how do I increase capacity? Well, Chris, how is this relevant? Well, you need to increase your capacity like everywhere in life. Like you can't meet Jesus and have the same capacity for faith you had before. You can't meet Jesus and say, I'm going to be everything I'm called to be and have the same capacity to step out that you once did. The boats, they get bigger and more comfortable and the waves get bigger and scarier. And yet you've got to keep jumping from one to another. Like it is what it is. Your capacity, it's got to stretch. Your capacity to forgive, it's got to stretch. Your capacity to love yourself and believe in you more than you did yesterday, it's got to, it's got to stretch. It's just got to happen. Capacity is a real deal. You've got to make room for what God wants to do in your life. And if we can't do that, then we are stuck. So how do you do that? People have asked me a lot and I don't know what to say. I just said, you just like... Like, Jesus' name, hope it works. So I didn't know. But recently I was throwing a gift that was seen as a curse. You ever had that? Yeah. You go, oh God, why? And then three months later, you're like, oh, that's yeah. why. So I was building, uh, we had our home and the whole thing with the contractor didn't go great. So, you know, I had to take over being that contractor. Uh, I had zero tools. I had one tool and it was, it was a 110 tool piece. 110, 110 tools. Uh, and, and they, it was like a little briefcase. I can tell you right now, there's not much you can build with a one-tenner, as I like to call. Um, so like, that's where I was at. And uh, I remember thinking, I was just overwhelmed. I was like, absolutely overwhelmed. Like I stood into, a, I stepped into a house that had, it had just drywall and mud on it. And it had um, like, we had no electricity, no running water. We had no doors. We had nothing, we had nothing, nothing. And I just remember thinking, and then I remember my wife going, I was like, I'll probably do this, this, this. And she was like, you can't, you can't do that. <laughs> At which point I thought for my marriage, do I lie or do I agree? I went with lie. <laughs> AKA believe in myself. I was like, yeah, I can. I can do it. I'm going to have to get the one tenner out, but I can do it. <laughs> so I remember feeling absolutely overwhelmed and but at the same time, I had no choice. I had to go. I had to do it. So we started doing it. And, and here's the thing. Capacity doesn't increase because you pray for it. Wow. 
Capacity happens when you feel that overwhelming sense of panic rising and you've got to quit and you just want to throw it away. That is your invitation to what the devil can't take from you, the world can't give you and money won't buy you. It is capacity. And what happens is this, you are forced into a situation where you must see God fill the gap and you must realise that you are bigger than the giants that stand in front of you. And so as I look back now, I think to myself, whoa, like, It's funny, the things that I said I would smash, I cannot do. Tried to paint, worst decision ever. (laughs) Tried to spray the house. It's not like spraying a car. I had that thing on the highest setting you could go. I was power washing my house. (laughs) It was nuts. Things I said I couldn't do, I did do. Stored kitchens, did all sorts of stuff. It's funny though, that in that process, something happened within me. I look back now and I go, you know what? It's funny how what once overwhelmed me, like absolutely had angst rising, now I feel totally comfortable with. And the only way that happened was I had to walk it. Every first mile is not the mile that counts. The first mile is our said beginning. I started, I said, I joined a grow group, cool. But the second mile is when you show up to grow group when you don't want to. The first mile is coming to church once. The second mile is coming to church consistently. The first mile is cutting some things out of your life that you have to. The second mile is including things that will hurt to include sometimes. The first and the second mile are the difference. There's a lot of people camped on the first mile because what we often do is we take pain and discomfort as an indicator that this is not where we should be. But the reality is this. That second mile is where your capacity now gets forged. That second mile is where you increase where you once didn't have enough. That second mile where you don't want to forgive someone. The second mile when you don't want to piece your marriage together, but you don't really have a good enough reason to leave it. These are those moments where you've got to grit your teeth and go, you know what? In this place right now, in this second mile is where I gain something that this is what I was made for. See, in the second mile, your capacity increases because you've taken on something that is bigger than you and you show it that God in you is bigger than it. And that's a point worth noting. God in you is bigger than it. So I want to speak to all the people here with dreams, desires, all the people here with potential. I want to speak to every single person here who has said, I will be, I shall do, I will go, I will listen, I will jump out. I want to speak to those people because every single one of us, you're going to want to quit. You're going to want to jump out and you're going to say, that's enough. But here's the thing. We often sit on the first mile looking for justifiers instead of just getting on the second mile and letting God justify His call in our life. you got to get up and you got to go. To all the people that are tired, to all the people that feel like you don't know if you can make it, you got to go. Because sitting on the first mile, you won't get what you get when walking the second. Jesus didn't do it all because He just wanted to. We often look at Jesus as if He was like this messianic brat. You know what I mean? Like He was just given, he was just given the rights to the kingdom and there He was. Like Jesus didn't walk up into the baptism moment and go, ooh, water's dirty. Water's a bit cold. What is, what is this? You know, Son of God? You know, this is how you treat me? Get out of here. Sorry, everyone. We just did baptisms. You know what I mean? He didn't just walk into His ministry without... You know, going into the desert. Here, look at the desert. Uh, dusty. No. Fasting. Uh-uh. Now, difficult it is. Dusty and fasting. So if Jesus paid the price, if Jesus took on moments that were not desirable, and yet it is Jesus telling us to not just 
quit on the first mile, but to go the second. In fact, he's saying the same thing with an eye for an eye. He's saying, don't do what comes easily. Don't do what everybody else does. Do what I would do. I would take the, high, the harder road. I would push the limits. I would forgive those who won't love me. This is what He did. What if you and I are trapped in almost because we're living guided by comfort? What if what is difficult is actually a blessing, not the devil against you? Jesus said this, God, if you could take this cup from me. Basically saying, God, if there's a way, I know I've been there, we won't see all, you know, how it plays out, but just it's getting pretty difficult. If I could throw it out there, if there's another way. But he says this, nevertheless, your will be done. Meaning my emotions, let's just take them out for a moment. How often does your emotion run your life? How often do you say things like, I just don't feel like I can be friends with that person anymore. I don't feel like that's the church for me anymore. I don't feel like this is the workplace for me. Have you been to 10 workplaces in the last year? Maybe it's not the workplaces. Maybe there's something. It might not be the place for you, but there might be something to learn from it. I don't believe I was always the one destined to finish my home. You know what I mean? God was like, hey, angels, let's, let's do this. Okay, he's only got a one tenner. Um, let's just put him in. Put him in. No. But I'll tell you what, when life forces you to show a mile, you've got the option to turn it into a win by going the second. How many times has life forced you down a road that we've camped in, complained about, sat in, got stuck in, and Jesus gives us the antidote. If someone tells you to go a mile, don't get stuck in somebody else's demand of your life. But yet, go the second mile. Walk your way out of that situation. But if we look at what He's saying, how do we walk our way out of that situation? You walk your way out with love. You love where love was not given. You walk your way out with forgiveness. You walk your way out with kindness. You walk your way out with giving more than what is expected of you. See, this thing, being a Christian, is not the simplest thing. Being saved one day doesn't mean that tomorrow when you step on a flower, it pops back up and says hello to you and it's Mary Poppins. It's not what it is. What it is, is you're signing up to live the life that God called you to live. Your best life, it is out there, but it's not gonna be found on the first mile. It's found on the second mile, the one that is uncomfortable, the one that is tiresome, the one where you have to grit your teeth and say you're sorry. The one where you have to say, well, you have to forgive somebody, whatever it might be, this is the second mile. I don't know if I could be on worship team. It's just tired. Do you want it? Because there is value in doing the things that are almost about to take you out. There is value in pushing beyond what you haven't done before. Because here's the thing, the mile and the second mile seems like a straight trajectory to where you're called to go. But the first mile become a mountain that you just circle around. How often have we gone around the same thing over and over and over? I've never found good friends. I've never been able to forgive. I've never, well, how long should that stay with you? I've often heard that the second mile is not very crowded. And I've often heard it from, you know, the cliche of like, because no one else does it. You're on, yeah, I'm on my own. <laughs> like, great, cool. But you know what I also think it's not crowded with? I don't think the second mile is crowded with bitterness. 
I also don't think that the second mile is crowded with failure. I also don't think that the second mile is crowded with I shoulda, woulda, coulda. It's not. I don't think that the second mile is crowded with your calling in the backseat. It's not. The second mile is the one place where you could guarantee that you and your best you are the only ones on that track. Sometimes you've got to forgive. Sometimes you've got to run. Sometimes you've got to grit your teeth, white knuckle it, do it afraid because it is in that moment that God shows up and does something great. Here's the thing, church. Let's just not be a quitter. The number one thing that the devil wants you to do is quit. And he wants to build a case for you to quit. You never quit because you just quit, right? We always build a case for it. Well, it's been pretty difficult. And, uh, I don't know about you, but it's cold out there. And, you know, I, got, I got things at home I got to do. And, um, you know, my nose is running. I don't like that. <coughs> uh, you know, my wife, I mean, she, I mean, the Bible says to be in the home together. So uh, I don't want to be apart. I don't, you know, you stretch to justify. Well, he's not running. He's not running. But here's the thing. Will you feel their regret? No. Will they feel yours? No. Who will? You. What sounds like a reason will not be an excusable reason for you when you look back and think, I should have. I could have. We often make church something we show up to. We've got to make church something we live. And this second mile kind of thing, the real start is what defines us, puts a gap between us and everybody else. Jesus has said that, so what? You're kind to people that are your friends? Everyone does that. What do you do with the people that are horrible to you, mean to you, have hurt you, have neglected you, rejected you? I think we've got to stop looking for the stars of life to align in a favourable opportunity and start going the second mile out of what life is trying to force us into and be the church and be the Christian that the world could look at and go, wow, there's something about you. There's something about you. Man, I wouldn't have got up after that. Man, I wouldn't have said, I wouldn't have forgiven after that. I wouldn't have brought him over my house after that. Mm-mm, I wouldn't have stayed with him after that. Mm-mm, I wouldn't have, I, I wouldn't have, I just wouldn't have, wouldn't have, wouldn't have. We need to be the difference maker. And I tell you this, your calling, your best you, pressing and pushing into what God has for you is found on that second mile. Don't be a quitter. Understand that there's more fear. And I'm gonna finish with this simple story that reminds me of what this feels like. So, you know, grew up playing soccer and, and was finally kind of pushing into, getting into the teams that I always wanted to. It's funny that the moment I started making my teams is the moment I started having injuries, like back fractures. And um, I, I ripped, I tore my groin like completely and couldn't walk and God healed it in two weeks, but I still had to get fit. And I remember one of my friends said, hey, I've got this exercise for you. They'll get you fit in like a week, two weeks. I was like, not even possible. He goes, but you're going to hate me for it. I was like, probably. And he goes, what we're going to do is this. We're going to show up to a soccer field. A soccer field is 100, usually 100 by 110, or 100 or 110, depending on where you play. Uh, and he goes, you're going to do a 400 meter sprint, 30 second break. Another 400 meter sprint, 30 second break. 800 meter sprint, 45 second break. 1200 meter sprint, minute 45 break. Then you're going to go 800 meter sprint, 45 break, 400 meter sprint, 30 second break, 400 meter sprint, you're done. And you've got to do them all at 95% of your capacity. Meaning that you won't be as fast as you go on, but you have to try as hard. And he said this to me, your fitness, imagine it like a rubber band that won't go back. When you feel 
pain, that's your current fitness level. When you push past it, that'll be your new one. And I thought to myself, as I was prepping for this message, imagine, imagine if we thought of our life and the second mile in this manner. What if we realised that at the end of an exercise like this, we might increase our capacity in such a way that we'd never go back. That pain does not mean you stop, but it's an, inv- it's an invitation to pushing into new places, new levels, new things. I did it that day and I remember I went to my soccer trial that week and the coach says to everyone like, you know, oh, you know he goes, it's fitness this week. And, I'm like, oh. and I remember he said this, if that's a soccer field, he goes, you're gonna jog, you're gonna walk the diagonal, jog this way, the width, and sprint the length. And I'm like, oh, he goes 10 times. I was like, please. I know at that point, not now, can't do it now. Now I do a 400 meter sprint, 45 day break, 400 meter sprint, 45 day break. But then, gosh, man, my mentality was so strong. I knew I could do four of those laps and only need 30 seconds and go again. I won every race that day and I made that team and I made it. You know why? Because your capacity is tested and the second mile doesn't have an audience. The second mile is where character is forged and no one's there to watch it. The second mile, it seems useless, but I guarantee you that that following week, that following year, that following season, it'll come into play. That second mile that you gave up so much and it hurt so much and no one was there to even witness it, I guarantee you that the enemy waiting for you at that next moment is gonna feel the depth, the growth, the stretch of the second mile that you said yes to. This week, when you're tired, when you wanna quit, take it as an invitation for more. Take it as an invitation for your calling. When you don't have enough in you and you can't say hi to one more person, you can't say a positive word, you can't encourage someone, you can't love someone, you can't forgive someone, you wanna quit your workplace, why don't you approach it and say this, God, I'm gonna go the second mile. I'm gonna take the things that are waiting for me on the second mile that no one else can have. I'm gonna leave laziness at the first mile. I'm gonna leave my almost life at the the first mile and I'm gonna be everything that you've called me to be. I pray that this week, we wouldn't quit as a church. And we wouldn't look at success as all I do is win, win, win. But all I do is learn, learn, learn through every loss, loss, loss. You and me, we don't have to be brilliant. We just have to be willing. Jesus doesn't need you to be brilliant. He is. You gotta be willing. And for some of you, your second mile looks like getting up out of the pit that you're in right now, depression, whatever it might be. Cool thing is this, the second mile is unachievable without God. You need Him in it. First mile, that's where you are at. Second mile is the kind of thing where you need Jesus. I wanna encourage you. Your first mile is what you're in. Second mile, you wanna quit, but when God enters, He'll empower you to do what you gotta do. And I wanna speak to people in this room right now who maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Maybe you once did, but for whatever reason, you walked away. You know what I mean? The second mile got difficult and you quit. But today, something is resonating with you and you're saying, you know what? This is my day to invite Jesus into my life because I am not gonna get trapped in almost. I will not sit on that first mile when God has created me to not just go the second mile, but to rule in that second mile. God's got a life for you. God's got a best day for you. And it's not behind you, I guarantee you. It's ahead of you. And all it requires is an invitation for Him to walk it out with you. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, 
more information and to stay up to date with what is happening at the Life of People Church, please visit us on the web at peoplechurch.org or follow us on social media through our handle, People Church. Thanks again for tuning in.